Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. We're so glad you decided to listen to our program today. Our intent is to inform you and to encourage you. This is Are You Listening? with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. In a busy world with lots of distractions, we need to pay closer attention to God. Are you listening to God's Word today? Here's Jeff. Greetings to you, dear friends, and may I ask, do you need a change of direction for a better life? Well, dear friends, we've got the Word just for you today, and the direction to help, and that is the Word of Repentance and its power therein. Repentance is an awesome word, and within the salvation of God, repentance must take place. There is not a greater word that we can discuss today than the word repentance. First of all, I'd like to pause and give a thank you to our J-Web for his kind introductions, and you will hear from our J-Web throughout our broadcast with our free Bible study courses by mail and information about our YouTube channel. That's right, the International Gospel Hour is on YouTube as well, and you'll hear more about that throughout our broadcast. And a greeting to you, dear friends. We're so grateful for each and every listener of our broadcast from International Gospel Hour. We are thankful that you've chosen to be with us, and we will make it worth your while through a study of God's Word. That is our prayer and our desire. As we think of God's salvation, is it not interesting to see the command of repentance as a declaration of God? You know, when we go back in the New Testament, John the Baptist in Matthew 3 and verse 2 preached repentance. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, and we find this recorded in Matthew 4 and verse 17, and the parallel passage of Mark 1 and verse 15, Jesus preached repentance. Jesus commanded repentance in Luke 13 verses 1 through 5, specifically verses 3 and 5 where he said, Nay, I tell you, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And in Luke 24 verse 47, before he ascended into heaven, giving the great commission unto his apostles, he did say in Luke 24 verse 47 that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Well, let's fast forward to Jerusalem in Acts 2 and verse 38 when we find the apostles on the day of Pentecost preached repentance. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 3 and verse 19, when Peter and John healed that man laid by the gate called Beautiful, and that man was healed, and he began walking and leaping and praising God. He had laid there all his life. He had been a cripple all his life. But now, through the power of Christ and the healing power of the apostles to affirm the message of Christ, that man was walking. And the message that Peter brought forth, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. A perfect parallel to Acts 2 and verse 38. Later, the Apostle Paul, in Acts 17, verses 30 and 31, preached repentance there among all the idolatry there in the city of Athens, on Mars Hill. 
specifically verse 30 of Acts 17, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Again, Paul visited Athens, Greece on his second missionary journey. He encountered that city that was wholly given to idolatry, as we note from Acts 17 and verse 16. And he brought forth and told them about the one true God, beginning in verse 22. But he went a step further. He called upon them to change their ways. He called upon them to repent. And Paul, in Romans 2 and verse 4, wrote and said, Due to the goodness of God and because of the goodness of God, we must repent. Let's go back to Peter as he proclaimed repentance on the day of Pentecost. Later in his writings in Second Peter 3 and verse 9, Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is no question, dear friends, that repentance is a declaration and a command of God. But now let's go from the declaration to look at its definition. What is repentance? I believe our best definition is clearly taught in the parable of the two sons in Matthew 21, verses 28 through 31. I'd like to take us there to verse 29 that speaks of the first son who answered and said, I will not, but afterward he repented and went. He was commanded to go work in the field by the father, and he just simply answered, I will not, but afterward he repented and went. Not only did he change his mind and his attitude toward laboring in the field for his father, but it resulted in a change of direction. When we look at this definition through good sources that define words from the original language, we go to Vine's Dictionary on page 525, Vine's New Testament Dictionary, that defines it as this change of mind involves both a turning from sin and a turning toward God. We wish to consider the scholar Thayer in his Greek lexicon. On page 406, the change of mind of those who have begun to abhor their errors and misdeeds and have determined to enter upon a better course of life, so that it embraces both a recognition of sin and sorrow for it and hearty amendment, the tokens and effects which are good deeds. Now, let, let's hit that one one more time, kind friends. It's the change of mind of those who have begun to abhor their errors and misdeeds and have determined to enter upon a better course of life, so that it embraces both a recognition of sin and sorrow for it and hearty amendment, the tokens and effects which are good deeds. We clearly understand the definition of repentance is a change of decision that responds with a change of direction. It doesn't continue in the same path. It changes and it begins within the heart. My good brother and fellow preacher, Brother Alan Hires, called this, the word repentance and the act of repentance, the hardest commandment in the Bible. That is of great interest, dear friends. And so today, let us consider our study of the salvation of God as we discuss repentance. But first, would you love to have a free home study about the book of Psalms? 
We are blessed to send absolutely free a variety of Bible study materials and to make things available for you through our broadcast of International Gospel Hour. That's right, friends. We will not ask for your money. We ask for your interest in the things that be of God, and we wish to study those things together in light of the Word of God, which is our authority. Our J-Web has a free study for you today from the book of Psalms. Let's consider what Jay has to say, then let's come back and continue our study on repentance. The Apostle Paul spoke of things from the Old Testament as things written for our admonition, according to 1 Corinthians 10.11, and in Romans 15.4 as written for our learning. We have two wonderful studies from within the book of Psalms, a study that will admonish us and help us grow in our learning. These two studies are sent with one mailing, and it's yours absolutely free. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Psalm Study. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say, Psalm Study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com. Click on the Contact tab and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Psalm Study in the message box. It's yours for the asking. Now, let's go back to Jeff. Repentance requires recognition. As we begin our study, let's look at this important point that repentance requires recognition, quite simply, dear friends, an acknowledgment of sin. How did David respond to Nathan when Nathan confronted him concerning his sin with Bathsheba? David simply said in 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Here was a man that we learn later in the New Testament that he was a man after God's own heart. And David simply responded, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, when Nathan told him that he was the man, that he was the one who had, in essence, taken the little ewe lamb from the neighbor and what he had done, David could not argue what he had done concerning his sin with Bathsheba. In Psalm 32 and verse 5, a psalm that is thought by many to be written of David, He said, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. It brought him to repentance. I have to get rid of this sin. In Proverbs 28 and verse 13, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Dear friends, first of all, one must recognize the sin in his or her life. That is sin that is unforgiven. You know, there are individuals who will say, Well, you know, I know I am not living right, and well, therein is the acknowledgement. But what is missing, dear friends? People can walk around and say, I know I am not living right, and continue to live in a wrong way. Nothing changes. They seem to be content with the way things are, or for whatever reason, they refuse to change. Repentance requires a recognition and acknowledgement of sin. I have sinned, here is where I am at, and I do not want to remain here. Let's go to the second one. 
because repentance requires remorse. I take us to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning with verse 9. The Apostle Paul says, Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Repentance is not simply being sorry, but the sorrow moves one to repentance. Now, let's look at this move. This is a striking difference, dear friends. The sorrow, the grief, the distress. We cannot live with what we've done. We cannot continue to live the life we are living. And one is now troubled with sin and its decisions It's the type of thing that will keep you awake at night and makes sleep miserable. We are at that point, or should be at that point, to where we mourn for our sin. In a study of the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, we learn of the one who is poor in spirit, and then in the next verse we learn of the one who is mourning and will be comforted. It is believed and it is studied that the Beatitudes, as they begin, has a person who has hit rock bottom. They are poor in spirit. They are empty in spirit. There is nowhere else to go. Sin has caused them to mourn and to grieve to where there has to be a change. This parallels perfectly with being remorseful, that repentance requires remorse. I am so saddened and bogged down with what I have done, I see that there is a change that must take place. I share this little story with so many people, but when I was in local preaching work, one Wednesday evening after our Bible study, there was a little fellow about four years of age sitting on the front row by himself. Well, for a child to be sitting on a front row by himself after Bible study, you know something had to be going on. So I walked over to him, and I asked him, I said, what you doing? And he said, I am in time out. Well, he was being punished for something. And so I asked him, I said, are you sorry? And he said, yes, sir. And I said, are you going to do it again? He said, no, sir. And I said, are you willing to repent? And he looked at me very funny. Well, a four-year-old does not understand repentance. Maybe he was sorry that he got caught, and he was learning a great lesson that I can't do that anymore, whatever that he did. And the little fellow's much older now, and he's doing better. He's learning. He's growing. But you see, dear friends, that little man explained it clearly. He was sorry for what he had done, but will the sorrow move him to repentance? Now, at that time, he said he would not do it again. So you're getting the right idea, but he didn't quite understand what repentance was. So repentance requires the recognition, the acknowledgement of sin, and a remorseful attitude. Now, number three, repentance requires a resolve. Get this. With recognition and remorse, we are now resolving to change. I appreciate my good brother and preaching friend, Mark Posey. Mark is an excellent writer, shares a lot of ideas through a study that he does and a a pulpit preview that he makes available to so many preacher friends and and students of the Word of God, I should say. Mark's definition here of repentance comes to where he said this, 
It is a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of soul, that leads to a change of desire, that leads to a change of life. Now, you get the idea of change all through there. Once again, it is a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of soul, that leads to a change of desire, that leads to a change of life. Dear friends, if repentance is not total, it's not true repentance. I have known individuals that would come forward during the singing of the invitation hymn in worship. They would come forward and they would ask for prayers, but they failed to cease the behavior. You know, we may report we are wrong, but are we repenting? Dear friends, not questioning hearts, I'm questioning attitude and desire in light of Scripture of what we need to do. For many years, I've had individuals would say that if I have sinned or caused anyone to sin, I want your prayers. I quickly let that person know, don't try the if I. If you believed you have sinned, then there's a pretty good chance that you have. If you believe you've done wrong, then there's a pretty good chance you have. Just simply say, as David did, I have sinned. I will acknowledge my sin. Because if we think we've sinned, pretty good indication that we have. Let's make that thing right. You see the resolve. You see the change that must take place. After all, for one to become a Christian, one must repent. When they were pricked in the heart of the preaching of Peter, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, and they asked in Acts 2.37, Men and brethren, what shall we do? The first thing out of Peter's mouth was, Repent, or change your hearts. You have a pricked heart. Let's make it a progress heart. A pricked heart will be a heart of progress. You want to change. You no longer want to live this way. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Dear friends, repentance and baptism will remit our sins. Obviously, faith is important. On the day of Pentecost, they were devout men. They came as believing, and they were believing the message and saw that they need to make a change. This is a perfect parallel to Luke 24 and verse 47, that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And Mark's account of the Great Commission in Mark 16 and verse 16, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. So to become a Christian, we must repent based upon our faith, confessing Christ and being baptized into water, for the remission of our sins. And as a Christian, if one's heart goes astray, we desire the things that are not of God, we must repent of that. In Acts 8 and verse 22, a prime example is one by the name of Simon, who desired to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. He was watching how Peter and John would lay their hands on others and how they would receive the Holy Spirit. And Simon desired that same power. Well, Peter told him that his heart was not right in the sight of God. He had no part nor lot in that matter. And that he must repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness. You've got to repent and change your heart. You want to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not what it's about. He wanted it for his own use 
rather than toward unity and the use for God. Dear friends, let's pause and let me ask, are we talking about some things that you're listening to this and you're thinking, I need to make some changes. This is hitting me pretty good. Dear friends, we have a Bible study course that's absolutely free. We do it by mail. Why not begin with that Bible study course, learn of God's will for your life, and feel free to give it a try. Here's our J-Web to tell you all about it, then we'll come back and wrap up our study on repentance. Your friends at the International Gospel Hour are offering absolutely free a Bible study course by mail. You may study in the privacy of your own home at your own pace. Feel free to give it a try. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Home Study in the message box. We'll send it right away. Thank you for your interest in the things of God. And now, back to Jeff. Repentance requires a reformation. This means a change of lifestyle. We have acknowledged our sin, we recognize it, there is remorse within our hearts, and we resolve to make changes, and now here is the time to reform our lives or the change of lifestyle. We go back to the Old Testament in the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel in warning God's people of their changes they needed to make. He said in Ezekiel 18, beginning with verse 21, But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he has committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions that he has committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Let's drop a few verses down to verses 27 and 28 of Ezekiel 18. Again, when the wicked man turns away from his wickedness that he hath committed, and does that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. Because he considers and turns away from all his transgressions that he has committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Let's go to the New Testament and recall the account of the prodigal son in Luke 15. The prodigal son, if you remember, in verse 17, came to himself and returned home, changing his ways. He did not continue in that old pig pen. You see, repentance requires a reformation or a new way of life. In Romans 6, verses 4 through 6, we learn that through baptism, the old man of sin is crucified, the body of sin is destroyed, that from now on we should not serve sin. We are raised to walk in a newness of life. But Paul told those Christians in Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 20, that the old man must continually be put away. So our lifestyle has changed to where we are obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ through our faith, our repentance, confessing Christ and baptism, those sins are washed away, we're raised to walk in a newness of life. And we must keep in mind the old man that we crucified, we cannot return back to that lifestyle. 
In Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24, Paul told them how to put the old man away, to be renewed in the spirit of their mind, and to put on the new man, to continue to walk in that way of life. Dear friends, this beautiful study of repentance lets us know God's will for our lives. It is an acknowledgment of sin. It requires a remorseful attitude that resolves to change, and then that change must take place. Let's conclude our study in a moment, but first, our J-Webb about our YouTube channel. For many years, you've heard us over the air and online, and now we're excited to announce you can see the International Gospel Hour program on our YouTube channel. A new episode is uploaded weekly, and feel free to view our other offerings as well. It is free to subscribe to the International Gospel Hour on YouTube. Again, please take some time to watch the International Gospel Hour on our YouTube channel. And be sure to click the subscribe button while you're there. It's free. It is significant, beloved friends, that one of the biblical names for Christ is Wonderful Counselor, Isaiah 9 and verse 6. When I think about the Wonderful Counselor, that is Jesus Christ, I am so grateful for His command and His counsel of the words from Luke 13, verse 3, as well as verse 5. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You know, dear friends, there's no greater counsel that you and I can have today than to embrace the beauty of repentance. What a wonderful thought that we can change our lives for good. And to look throughout the Scripture and see it proclaimed, to see it declared of God, to see it defined, and to see it make a difference in our lives. When one believes in God and they see the beauty of repentance, they can change. They will confess Jesus as the Son of God, as the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37, and enter the waters of baptism to be baptized for the remission of sins and to have sins washed away, Acts 2:38 and Acts 22:16. They are added to the church wherein is the saved, Acts 2, verse 47, and Ephesians 5, 23 and 24. To God be the glory of the command of repentance. Dear friends, we will continue studies such as this at another time. Thank you for joining me today on the International Gospel Hour broadcast. Dear friends, I look forward to joining you once again. I'm Jeff Archie, and dear friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series, by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. Glory.